0: House of the Dragons, Season 1, Episode 9, The Royal Eye Rolls. <laughs> you started saying that. I was like, no, 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 you're
1: wrong. It's the Green Council, honey.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Green Council. Um, but there was a lot of eye rolls here, and that's not a criticism. They were well placed. All right, here we go. Here's our our deep dive into this episode. Well, we open up with a child walking through the empty corridors, and this child is an informant. So the web of spies is large and hard to hard to predict and how this kid of all people knew about Viserys' death unless he's just snooping I don't know well
1: I think a lot of this speaks to the comings and goings of the people who keep things running. So, you know, a lot of times when we see shows like this, and I think this is how it was actually for these people, like you just think like, oh, I need to get dressed now. I'm going to ring this bell. And it's like, no, there's there's so many people behind everything that's going on all the time, making sure you have enough coal or wood for your fireplace. And so that's actually my guess is this kid is probably maybe... One of the kids who makes sure that the fireplace is warm or that sort of thing. But what we at least know is this kid knew that he had died. I don't think they had little kids sneaking into Viserys' room and seeing if he's still breathing. That just doesn't really add up, although it's not entirely impossible.
0: The kid informs Talia, and Talia informs Alicent. That's (laughs) the sequence of events. Yeah. And Alicent is um, upset about this. You know, she's sad. So we, we know that it wasn't all an act or anything, but this is just further confirmation.
1: Do you know what the first thing that Allison tells Talia?
0: Who else knows? Uh, Tell no one. Tell no one.
1: Who else knows is what... So then Allison goes and tells Otto, and Otto asks who else knows. And the reason why I point this out is, so already she's scheming. That's not your typical response. So even though she didn't plan it, she's already in some sort of plan. I did want to take a moment and say how much I appreciated how they filmed these initial scenes of how word got out. There's a lot of ways they could have gone about this, but I liked how simple and quiet it really... The first time I watched this episode, I was so tense from beginning to end. But I just really liked how quiet it was and how you saw very few people and this boy walking through and this series of events. It, just, it, it was a very well-done scene, I thought and the music. Yes. Ugh, always the music. It's so amazing.
0: So Alison when she tells Otto, she also informs him that Viserius' dying wish was that Aegon be crowned. And this gives Otto
1: the easier e- the ammunition e- to
0: justification in his mind. He doesn't need you know. it. Right, he doesn't I, I, need it. I honestly
1: I don't think that I think all what this is is like, oh, I was already playing the game with these weapons, but you have just given me an updated version of the weapons i was already using perfect
0: but he does perk up with some nice face acting i think otto and Rainey's are my two favorite face actors
1: <laughs> but here's the thing otto is not stupid at all and he might be blinded a little bit by his ambition but he's not super blind and what this means to me though is i think he believes Allison believes it but He's not so gullible to just be like, Yep, this is what Viserys wanted. Again, everybody knows Viserys did not want Aegon to be king. So even if that's what Alice this is one of those like, let's pretend he didn't die. Otto would be like, Okay, let's go talk to Viserys. Let's let's hear this. It's just no one should believe it that easily. That's it's it's a betrayal to all of their characters. Well, right, and
0: nobody does believe it, except for Otto, who wants to believe it. And I don't but, think
1: he does is my point.
0: But it, it doesn't really matter, except that it gives him just the moral High ground, I guess, to do all the evil things he's about to do, at least in his mind. But he was going to do them anyways, so it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, but I think what I'm trying to say here is that I don't think moral high ground has anything to do with it with Otto. He's always going to do it. Nothing has changed. It just gives him more to work with for the people and to convince other people. But he doesn't believe it.
0: Well, so then we cut over to the small council. And it was a good scene. I like these scenes with a lot of people all meeting and stuff. Well, we see that, yeah, these were long-laid plans, uh, so they were going to do them anyways. Alicent didn't realize this.
1: Something that stood out to me here is also something that had happened. Talia told two people. So she tells the queen, but she also informs the white worm.
0: Yeah, through candles.
1: Which means this had already been thought about and planned long before.
0: Right, so only Alicent apparently hadn't thought ahead of it. Yes, (laughs) so
1: what my note was is Talia has already planned this the small council has already been planning this but one thing though that does include Otto they have a plan in general of Aegon being succeeding but not the immediate when the king dies this is what we do plan the only one who knew exactly what to do right away when the king died was Talia and that seemed very strange to me like you wouldn't have somehow discussed like Otto of like hey if the king passes come to me right away let's talk. You would have thought there would be some initial plan with such a major event that has, uh, like, such significant implications.
0: Well, they did do stuff because Lannister says that the treasury was split. So, like, one-third went one place, one-third went another, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, Beesbury is the head of the treasury, and he didn't know this. So they were doing things behind the scenes for a while. Beesbury, rightfully, doesn't believe it, stands up, says all all the right things, and gets taken out by Kristen Cole. Probably accident-ish, but doesn't matter.
1: I would offer it's an accident in terms of he may not meant to kill him, but he did mean to seriously hurt him. And he's what? 76. Yeah. So you can't lose your temper like that. Like
0: I'm not justifying it by saying it was probably an accident. <laughs> I thought it was funny when Harold Westerling draws his sword and commands Cole to take off his white cloak. And then Lannister stands up and <laughs> scoots and across moves. the room and then comes back later. <laughs>
1: yep. And, and, and It's funny because clearly that's so intentional of the script writing and and, and the direction of this moment. And it just shows a lot about his character. um, Well, it's the right
0: response. Why would you sit between them if if you could avoid it? It's just funny.
1: There are some people, though, who would, like, if it were the Hound, he would just sit there. Yeah, maybe. Tywin would just sit there.
0: Well, yeah. Well, those two people think that them sitting there would probably prevent... The fight from happening.
1: But I like how he's like, eh, I'll just sit back yeah. down here. I One thing I did make note here is we had already suspected, but I really like that we don't have to wonder anymore, that we know for sure Sir Wesleyan's thoughts on uh, Sir Kristen Cole.
0: Yeah, so the Lord Commander resigns. This is one of many times when the Kingsguard in this episode will be faced with a dilemma of their duty and... What is right and what is wrong. And this is all throughout Game of Thrones. He chooses, he, he's able to keep his duty and honor intact by saying, There's no king, and until there is one, I'm not working for you guys.
1: Yeah, he says, I only recognize the authority of the king. Until there is one, there's no place for me here. And this makes a statement about the differences between how he takes on the role of being a part of the King's Guard and how Cole does. It's a way to show contrast of both of them. Cole is a very biased soldier. He is not actually a true King's Guard. He's not following what King's Guard means, um, and Westerling is. And what I appreciate about this scene is it, it's just such a... Uh, it, like, it pays homage to... Uh, um,
0: Barrison Selmy? Yes,
1: to Sir Barrison Selmy. And I feel like whenever we have the, the head of the King's Guard resigning, it is not a good sign about the current leaders at the time
0: I heard some people criticize this saying that he didn't make a decision like I, I, I didn't think it was a good criticism
1: no I did, I, I agree with you and disagree with the yeah. kind of criticism
0: I thought that he made a decision that kept his honor and duty intact but also got him out of the room alive and
1: I mean he's trying to play neutral I don't know how long he'll get away with it but he's trying and it worked so far
0: so in the books um, he is not a character Oh, really? So he is, but he died 20 years ago from old age.
1: That's just because Graham McTavish is so badass that that's, they got to right. keep him in.
0: Well, as soon as I saw that they casted like a good actor for the role, I was like, oh, they're not going to have him just like die of old age in one of these time jumps. But that's what happened in the book.
1: Yeah, he hasn't aged at all in 20 years. <laughs> his his, his
0: uh, beard was grayer. But right, so now I can't predict what this character is going to do, which is nice as a book reader to not know his, his story.
1: This is the type of change that I appreciate. Uh, that where they can take some latitude and it's clearly different because he he is dead in the book but it makes it kind of fun to see what they could do with him um I also feel like they're almost (laughs) giving it's almost like karma to the actor who played Sir Barrister Selmy who wasn't supposed to die and did, and they're trying to make it up to all of them now of like okay well your guys's characters get to
0: yeah I hope so because killing Barrister Selmy and the Alleyway brawl was one of the worst decisions Game of Thrones made.
1: Yeah, that upset a lot of people.
0: <laughs> All right, so the council continues on after he leaves.
1: This is—I'll point it out. Oh wait, here. wait, wait,
0: sorry. First, Otto orders him to go to Dragonstone and kill <laughs> Rhaenyra and Damon. Talk um,
1: about having some.
0: Well, it's a very audacious order, and like these people think that the Kingsguard are their personal Gustavo or whatever, you know. And that is not what the Kingsguard is supposed to be, even though sometimes, like with Kristen Cole, that happens.
1: But it also shows then here how Sir Westerling is correct about how this council, council intends to use the Kingsguard.
0: This showdown between Westerling and Cole is, again, I already said this, but one of many instances where we can see what's happening split characters throughout this episode, which is probably my favorite thing of this episode, is the, the faction splitting off, or as I said in our first podcast, the civil wars within the civil wars. So the Kingsguard now is the first kind of civil... Well, the Small Council is the first civil war (laughs) in which they kill Beesbury. And then the Kingsguard is the second civil war. And this is all within the first few minutes. Uh,
1: It's a scene that comes later when Rainies talks to Alicent about how she's still in service to men. But I believe this scene really shows how Rainies has it right once again. That Alicent didn't matter. She didn't matter when she was queen. She doesn't matter now that she's... Uh, what what is it? The Dowager Queen uh, or whatever they rephrase it because she's not queen anymore. Helena is.
0: She does have some power though because she threatens Iron Rod with being sent to the wall. Um, I-, I
1: think they're placating her here.
0: Right. Ultimately, if that could probably be over overridden by Otto. The wall has been there for many many generations, and I guess people, yeah, when we know this Game of Thrones. They just don't remember why it's there or don't believe why it's there or whatever. But it is manned at this point. Like, somebody asked me, where are the Starks in this show? And the Starks are there. They're up north. They're just far away, so they got nothing to do um, for this show so far. But anyway, so the meeting goes on, and a few things are said here. One of them is that they're trying to figure out who's going to be loyal to them and who's not. And they say that Storm's End is going to be a problem. So Storm's End is a Baratheon castle. And they say that there's four unmarried daughters at Storm's End. So if they can scoop some of those up... <laughs> That can build some alliances.
1: Just make Eamon do it.
0: Right? We'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was being flippant in saying that.
0: <laughs> well, we do know that Eamon said he would marry his daughter for duty. I mean, his sister for duty. So he's all about uh, duty. So Allison's not cool with all this scheming. And she makes it clear that she's not cool with murder, which she brings no, up a couple no, times. No, she, she's episode. perfectly
1: fine with scheming and has been doing it. She's not cool with killing Renera. Right. She, That's yeah. the only thing she has a problem with.
0: Yeah, but then Jason, or sorry, not Jason, Tyland Lannister, Jason's twin brother, asks her what she suggests, and she, of course, has no suggestion because she hasn't really thought all this through, apparently.
1: And I think that's the honest truth. She hasn't really thought it through. It reminds me of last episode where she's like, I knew we had to make the decision, and now that it's finally here, I'm having trouble with it. And
0: it was wise of him to ask her what she suggests because that transfers the power, and there's none there.
1: It was wise because she was struggling there, and, it, and well, and, ugh, the guy that she threatened to the wall, he was acting like a dick. Yeah. He was being very disrespectful. And I think the Lannister actually handled it appropriately. And what I think is of note here is it's not just Otto who ha- handles Alicent. They all are.
0: Yeah, and that just reinforces Rainey's point uh, that she makes later when they meet.
1: Yeah. And I say it now because the scene really shows it.
0: Yeah. So then the hunt is on to find Aegon, Alicent, And Otto both want to find Aegon first because Otto wants um, things to go differently so that Rhaenyra can be taken care of before Aegon is crowned. And Alicent wants Aegon crowned right away and also to show mercy towards Rhaenyra. So they send Kristen Cole and Aemond on one side and the Cargill, Eric, and Arik twins on the other. Before she sends Kristen Cole, she visits uh, Helena, asks where Aegon is, and of course she doesn't know not Uh, here not here it's
1: funny Helena's disposition here initially before Allison comes in is just kind of chillin she's talking about like she's saying one of her Helena things where when one person has one thing it's natural for someone else to want it and clearly she's kind of talking about like this the throne and power Um, but once Allison comes in there Helena starts to get more stiff and you can see she's a lot less comfortable I don't know if this is of the moment or if this is indicative they're an actual relationship. But I get that Aegon and Allison don't have a good relationship. But why wouldn't she with Helena? And yet I do not see a strong relationship here either. So this really left me to believe, does Allison have a good relationship with any of her children?
0: I think with Amund, perhaps. But, so, but
1: Amund is, I think, treated like a second son. And I think that he's got a chip on his shoulder about that.
0: Yeah. Well... So Amon shows up right after Alicent asks Cole to go find Aegon and says, you know, all that you feel for me. As your queen. As your queen, yeah. So he feels something for her, and she's she's milking that.
1: And she does it in front of Amon. So just in case if Amon didn't know, he can use Cole in, if it, he does, says it in the right way in service to his mother.
0: Yeah, and I have a few things to say about Cole and Aemond. I'm not going to get there yet, but... right, So they're sent on the mission, same time Otto sends uh, Eric and Arik to find them.
1: So this is the second time that I'm wondering, Otto has misplaced some of his trust in his immediate Kingsguard. First with Sir Westerling, and now with at least Sir Eric. Yeah. He's wrong, and he's very wrong. He's not anticipating the split. So what does that say about how in tune he is? With his assessment of people and their loyalties. Because that's a huge problem when you're making big moves like this.
0: Yeah, that's a good observation. At the same time all this is happening, Rainies gets locked in her room.
1: Yeah, you gotta know locking Rainey's in her room is a... You better be sure that things are going to go your way.
0: Yeah. And at the same time that that's happening, all the help is being locked up in the prison with Lares. So a lot, lot of things all happening at once. Larry's is is a very creepy character.
1: Well, and right before this, though, when Eamon and Cole leave, the way that Eamon struts out of that room, I, it just, he walks with a commanding presence. And so he just, everything about Eamon scares me because he is so calculated and yet impulsive at the same time.
0: This is when he walked in with Cole and also it's, it's when, when he walks
1: scene. out, when he says, we're going to go find Agan and he's walking out of the room. He's got this yeah. swagger. When you see him walk, like he, there's a lot of confidence. The way the actor is playing him, he's doing a really good job. It frightens me so much of Eamon. I keep talking about how much Eamon scares me because he is so calculated and and he's so good at a lot of things. He's been practicing all these things and getting really good at combat, and yet he's very impulsive, as we saw last episode. And so it's just a...
0: I wouldn't call that impulsive. I would call that calculating also.
1: He Once he got made fun of with the pig, he was impulsive. That is sometimes where you stop, you sit back, you wait for it. Revenge is best served
0: cold. Well, you do wonder also how much is bubbling inside. Yes, and but that's that impulse it's going to explode out.
1: Right. Um, like he needs to be able to contain himself when he's so dangerous, but it doesn't look like he can.
0: Yeah, so when him and Kristen Cole get sent, Cole says that Eric auto-sent Eric. So somehow he knew that information. So I don't know how he knew that. Maybe just the Kingsguard. Is it a... might have
1: just been obvious because there's only so many Kingsguard, and yeah. Cole's already with Aemon, so it's it's basically whatever Kingsguard he was gonna encounter, or, or he probably knows that the Eric and Arik are so good. You mentioned to me that they're like some of the best fighters in the kingdom. You get noticed then, if
0: yeah, but I don't know how he would know that Otto sent them to find Aegon.
1: Well, if you're Otto and you're not sending Sir Kristen Cole and Sir Westerling's gone, you're going to send the next best.
0: So the scene with uh, Cole and Eamon searching, it occurred to me that probably for Eamon, Cole is more of a father figure than Viserys
1: in mm-hmm. the sense
0: yeah, they trained together. Um, he taught him everything he knows about fighting and Viserys was too old and weak to kind of be part of Eamon's life.
1: Yeah, I, I don't he think he was to. invested, yeah, <laughs> right. because he kept talking about having one kid. Like, he basically, he, but he even struggled to parent Rhaenyra. Like, basically once Emma once Emma died, the series, like, he just stopped parenting.
0: Well, and he also, in the last episode, called Rhaenyra his only child. So, clearly everyone after that has gotten less attention. But yeah, so Cole might have been a father figure to Eamon, because Eamon's also speaking pretty freely as they walk. So yeah. he tells her, you know, that Aegon took him to that brothel when he was younger, when he was 13. And he also tells him later that he should be king. like, And he's not subtle about it. He says, I'll be waiting when they come to find me. And I read the histories and I'm the warrior, blah, blah, blah. So he's comfortable telling Cole all this stuff. which. Um,
1: Did you notice his discomfort when the lady on the Street of Silk Clearly recognized him. It's one of the few times we see Eamon not confident.
0: That's probably who he lost his virginity to. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and she recognized him right away. But like his swagger is gone there. His body language and everything. There was definitely something there. And she was kind of coming on to him. And he could have been like, hey there. But instead he, he was uncomfortable.
0: So maybe some shame. Um He takes. He's a pious man, (laughs) perhaps. Um, I I think it's probably
1: more shame. Uh, I don't think that the experience went well for him. Yeah, that's that's my take with it, and it's one of the few chinks in his armor.
0: Yeah, and also, um, Aegon's not at any of these places, and hasn't been for years. So it made me wonder if Aemond was misdirecting the search and taking them to wrong places. So there's more time for Aegon to disappear or die or something like that. I don't know, but Aemon said, oh, I'll help Cole. I know where Aegon hangs out, but then he was totally wrong.
1: Which, that's kind of a big error, considering where Aegon was spending a lot of time to be wrong on.
0: Right, which makes me think it's possibly on purpose. He also says, at some point, that he's next in line for the throne, should something happen to Aegon. But that's not correct, because Aegon has sons. So... Amund is quite far down the list. Right. But all right, so then... uh, Well,
1: I guess you know that. I know that they have kids. I don't know the gender of the kids.
0: Yeah, I I thought it revealed that, but maybe not. But whatever. We cut over to Otto strong-arming all the, the lords. You know, declare your loyalty. He has some of them escorted out.
1: So that's a question I have here. I don't think we can answer it. What happened to the two dissenter houses? Were they killed? Were they imprisoned? Yeah, I don't know. Because you have more to work with with the houses to gain allegiance or even if it's under duress, if you keep the heads imprisoned.
0: Yeah, I am under the impression that they were probably imprisoned. Like you said, it's more practical to imprison them. You can also use them as leverage. You can also get them to change their mind and at least publicly swear fealty. Um, but Caswell is slow to bow, but he ultimately does when he sees those people get escorted away. And of course,
1: this is my criticism again. I just still don't buy his failed retreat. You can see him be so cautious here. He's reading the room, but then he just, you know, throws caution to the wind and tries to leave in a very obvious way.
0: Well, he doesn't know that Lares is watching him and Lares is probably keeping an eye on who's reluctant and then we'll watch him later. Because if Lares hadn't been there, I bet he would have got away.
1: But there's probably going to be someone else like Lari's. Like I don't know. I just it. I
0: don't know. I don't care about stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it's like he he, had, he tried to get out. What what are you going to do? He almost got there. It was just one second too late. But he is obviously definitely executed. So he's not put to prison. And as you mentioned in our last podcast, this does seem kind of risky to be killing these these people. It's not how you make friends. So is that going to automatically put the Caswell house, which I have no idea how powerful they are, but that you'd assume that would steer them right towards Rhaenyra.
1: Well, and there's a difference when you're using force to get people to swear fealty. So when Aegon the Conqueror came um, with his two sister brides, they used force to get the whole realm to swear fealty, but they were able to achieve that because of how unstoppable they were. Here, they took advantage of a very small situation that cannot unless they imprison people ongoing like the heads of the houses like ongoing you're clearly making it that they have one option and one option only here and people don't like that they don't like being treated that way otto doesn't have power beyond the moment that's kind of my point here is has power in the moment to be coercive but he doesn't have the strength yet to back it up these houses don't know where all the other houses are going to land this just happened to be the lords who were in king's landing at the time
0: Well, when all these people bent the knee to the conqueror, it was after a war. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just because he showed up. It was after hundreds of thousands of people. So this wasn't played well by both sides, right? Like he's
1: not giving them a choice in this moment. And a lot of people are going to resent that. And what if Renera is like, look, tell me what you want, but I'll let you leave. But I hope you'll come with me. A lot of times people are going to be like, yeah, fuck that. She at least respected me enough.
0: But that's when you're second. So when you're first, what's Otto supposed to do? He could say, well, if you're not with us, you can leave. But then he 100% has them as resistance. I mean, I I just don't think he was in a good position either way.
1: Maybe not. But my point being, he can only hold them for so long. So you force them to do the uh, swear fealty under these circumstances that probably doesn't sit well with them. Like, who's this guy to force me to do this and also make me fear for my life? I don't think that's going to go over well. But the moment they don't fear for their lives anymore, they can turn on him like that. So he hasn't really gotten fealty by forcing this in this moment. But he could get less overall fealty being sworn to him because of how he did it in this way. Like, I get what you mean, but I just I think he handled it poorly.
0: Well, these are also lesser houses. Like, had it been a Baratheon or a Lannister or a Stark, he couldn't just hang them on the way out. Or he could, but that's war for sure.
1: Yeah, but, you know, like second sons don't like being tricked second sons. Lesser houses don't like being treated like that. Like, that's kind of my point. If you're going to treat them like they're beneath you, they don't like that.
0: Right, but the consequence may not matter. Coswell might be a house 13 people strong. We don't know. We just don't know what these houses. So, yeah, so the twins, Eric and Eric, Eric and Arik are looking around. They end up in that terrible child gladiator place that has at least one of Aegon's bastards in there.
1: At least one, and this is like it's so obvious that's a Targaryen.
0: Yeah, this is where we see a further division, not just in the Kingsguard but also amongst twin brothers, Eric with an A doesn't approve. Eric with an E, and this is the uh, Kingsguard, the, the the duty versus philosophy. Like, you know, uh, Eric says we swore an oath and all this other shit doesn't matter. And then Eric with an A says, yeah, but this is unacceptable. We can't live like this. This is the same thing Jamie had to face when the Mad King was going to kill everyone. This is the same thing uh, well, Harold just, Westerling just went through.
1: It, it's also, uh, it's like Secret Service. They are very privy to a lot of the comings and goings and what happens with royalty. They, they really know quite a lot. And so, what happens when you have an inept ruler?
0: You know, going back to Baron Somi quickly. Barristan quit, and he quit like a boss, but he was also dismissed. So if he hadn't quit, he probably would have been Joffrey's Kingsguard forever because he was a duty person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then later he realized why that was a mistake, but it wasn't until he had two books later or whatever. So.
1: Well, maybe if he hadn't been killed off, Danny would have not murdered everybody in King's Landing. Yeah. No, I think that was always going to happen. But.
0: Right. Yeah. So Barristan fucked up either way. But he
1: he was a. He was sage reasoning for her when he was part of her council.
0: Yeah. But before those two brothers are approached by one of the White Worms workers, we get a, a meeting between Larry's and Otto. Otto says, you've been spending a lot of time with Alicent. And then Larry says, there's no reason that can't benefit you.
1: So now he's clearly playing both of them, even if he still has a main loyalty one way or the other. We see him now definitely making efforts to play both of them. And did you notice that his title is Lord Confessor?
0: That is a scary title. Yeah. But also, this shows us another civil war within the civil war of Alice and Otto, which are clearly not on the same page. But that Otto's even entertaining this, you know, having Lars keep tab on his daughter or whatever. Like, yeah, Otto
1: doesn't give a shit about maintaining a relationship right. with Allison. These he people, just wants power.
0: These people need to just cut Laurie's head off. That's what I would do right away.
1: But you know what? Laurie's is, well, no, that's not true. I was going to say he's just a little bit more obvious about who he is. And then I take that back. He's not. But Laurie's and Otto aren't that different to me. They just go about it in um, their own, you, you know, like ways that are aligned with their characters. But they're the same.
0: So even though it doesn't happen for several other scenes, let's just talk about Larry's now.
1: For the record, if someone wants to jerk off to someone's feet, that's fine. But there's no big deal with that. What I don't like about this scene with Larry's, if this is what you mean about let's talk about Larry's now. Yeah. What I don't like about this is that he does it in a coercive and manipulative way. Allison is not really wanting to do this. He knows that. He's kind of forcing her into a corner. She doesn't enjoy it. it. It's That's the part that I think is really sleazy of this.
0: Well, now let me ask you, too, because foot fetishes are extremely common. Like, one of the more common sexual fetishes, as I understand it. Do you think it's in poor taste that they gave a foot fetish to a guy with a club foot? Or do you think it's a non-issue?
1: I, th- I think it's exactly because he has a club foot. I think what they're trying to say is this is something that he's never been able to have and maybe it's a metaphor about power or other things too of something that you don't get because of how you're born whether it's your title or your family or that sort of thing but I think your point being though but like eh, it's kind of tacky to do that
0: Well, I could see both. Yes, is my answer to that. I could see both people with clubbed feet and people with foot fetishes get offended by this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because foot fetishes are
1: there's nothing wrong with a foot fetish, right?
0: Common and and natural. And clubbed feet people are probably no more prone to foot fetishes than regular people, right? Um, But it it could just be pure coincidence that he is those two things.
1: I, I do think it's cliche, and also what's cliche is to take. Something that is often given a bad rap that really isn't like a foot fetish to one of the worst characters in the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that is true. But it's also like, what are you going to do?
1: At least give some other people some fetishes.
0: Well, there was the other terrible person in the show that had a fetish for hurting children <laughs> that Arya killed. Um.
1: But I think... There's a lot to sexology and sexual wellness that doesn't need to be pathologized and this sort of thing doesn't help. There's a strong insinuation of people who are into this are wrong and depraved. Yeah. And and this is how people in our society, in real life, make those connections. And that's why I tried to make this distinction. Like, There's nothing wrong with a foot fetish. But what I don't like is coercive sexual behavior.
0: Yeah, of course. And it also does make you wonder both how did this start and how long has it been going on
1: oh it's been Um, going on for a while and you see like this is where i i think the acting for allison here is just so on par she doesn't like this It, it she's uncomfortable she's willing to do it for what this just goes to show like what else are these greens willing to do to have power and I bet i'm going to say this about the blacks too at some point although once it becomes like because i think things are going to get ugly and dirty here so then it's going to be about revenge or whatever but at this point things haven't gotten too messy except for lord caswell and lord Beesbury. but what else is allison willing to do in order to get what she wants and, and, and by the way she is doing this letting him this whole scene when she gives the command for him to go kill the white worm So this is right after she's got this moral quandary with Otto about killing Renera. And she's like, it's not a weakness to have uh, a problem with murder. And yet she just signed off in White Worms murder like that. So it shows us that she actually doesn't have a problem with it. She's not reluctant uh, about murdering. It's just when she wants to do it.
0: It does make me wonder if she could weaponize these feats against Laris at some point. Because he's, because he, <laughs> <ew, ew, ew. laughs> she, you know, he's got the power now. But this could be flipped too if he wants it bad enough. She could, you know, leverage it.
1: One of the things that from this scene though with uh, Lars and Allison here is he he's using a metaphor of a queen bee. He says when the you know if the queen bee dies the the bees will go all over the place. So he wants to kill the white worm so he can become the new queen because then all these informants needs somewhere to go, and he wants it to be him. So this is something where it helps him to do this.
0: Yeah. And we see later that her house or whatever is on fire. That is her house? Yeah, but that wasn't easy for me to see. Because
1: you and I speculated about it. I just didn't know if...
0: So, yeah, that's where Talia met up with her last episode when, when she walked up the stairs in the hood, and she says, like, oh, it's been a busy night in the castle. But it is, it is hard to see. So the first time we watched it, I was like, what is this burning place are showing? Um, so it's, and then there's a hooded figure walking away. So I guess we can assume that Laris ordered that, but it could have also been Otto because she... They were
1: both, we've both seen Laris uh, and Otto in hoods here.
0: Right. So she meets with Otto.
1: Now, did the white worm anticipate this?
0: I'm going to assume that she wasn't in there.
1: Yeah. Um, so far, we are led to believe that she is really a survivor and has survived a lot worse here. And she make her identity known in this episode. So if she's truly as smart and as good as survival as we're led to believe, she would have immediately anticipated this.
0: Yeah, I probably wouldn't have done that if I were her. But,
1: but it shows that she can't trust them. Can't trust who? So by revealing her identity now and knowing that the Greens know this and that they try to assassinate her, it lets her know they don't want to use her. Like, it's a good plan. It's like when they were trying to betroth uh, the middle child of Cersei and Jamie. Tommen? No, that's the third. Uh, the girl.
0: Yeah. Uh, they sent her to Dorne.
1: Yeah, but, but they told Marcella. three... Marcella. Marcella. They told three different people, three different betrothals yeah. to weed out who it was. This could be a play of the White Worm to be like, all right, I'm going to see if you help me. I want you to deal with Flea Bottom, but you now know my identity so you can know where I live. How are you going to deal with this information? And now that she gets torched... Right away, it shows that she cannot trust the Greens, which the Blacks just have a huge asset now. Yeah. So if she was playing all sides, seeing where she should go, she knows she can't have the Greens because they don't want her.
0: She was pretty impressive in her meeting with Otto. She told her, told him that she knew the King was dead. She is, right now, the main person in this episode looking out for the, the small folk. And she is a small folk, so small folk... It's a class, class war thing. She's
1: always been small folk. This is when she gives that speech to Damon, I think in like the second episode of like, look, I've learned how to take care of myself here. I'm just trying to survive. And I think she ascends to a pretty decent place in power that a lot of small folk cannot. And she actually takes it upon herself as a duty to look out for them. In a way, the way a ruler and a king and a queen really should do.
0: She also makes a... Comment on power, which is very common in Game of Thrones. And she says, power is what the people will allow them to take. So the people really do hold the power, at least per some people's perspectives. So it's hard to match that up with dragons, but um, that's her her point of view. And I, I do like the recurring philosophical question in, in Game of Thrones of where does power reside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cole and Aemond see this meeting happen. So they, uh, I guess, follow the twins So the White Worm tells the twins that Aegon is sleeping under that bed or under that candle thing. Like, I thought he was going to be tied up there or something, but apparently he's just sleeping or hiding or whatever.
1: I believe that's from the scene, like, in this, I want to say it's the second episode where Alicent and Rhaenyra talk about their dead mothers. Yeah. They're in a sept. Yeah. He's, like, basically under, like, this religious fountain... Kind of candlelit area in there. But when they first go in there, they're like, quiet. Do you hear that? As if he's bound and gagged. And he's like, help me, help me. Right. If he's trying to hide, why is he being loud? So I'm, I'm confused with this scene. I think
0: he just coughed or something. Oh. Um, but it was a strange setup. Because how, how would she even know that he was there? Is he just there for 12 hours? Like, he could have just got up and walked away at any point. And if he wanted to go find a boat, like he tells Amon, why didn't he go do it then? Regardless, they find him. And but they're still having their their internal split between each other. Eric with an E doesn't want Aegon to be found or doesn't want him to be, you know, placed on the throne. Cole and Eamon show up, there's a little fight here. So I mentioned this in our first podcast, but Cole defeats Eric, Eric with an A. He calls him friend before they fight, and then he's nice about it. So there's
1: we can tell that Cole knows that Eric's just doing his job. Right. And that he'll still do this for Aegon once he's king. He's just doing it the way...
0: Well, later when Otto calls it a game and Allison says it's not a game, Eric and Cole are treating it kind of as a game here. They obviously don't fight to the death. Then Aemond captures Aegon and Aemond really tells us how much he wants to be king and that Aegon's a piece of shit. And he's surely tempted by Aegon saying, let me go to a, a ship or whatever. But what can he do at that point? If there's three Kings Guard around him.
1: There, there's a scene where Allison we <clears> see <throat> Viserys being wrapped up by the silent sisters and they place his crown on him. So this is something I try to pay attention to because sometimes crowns are reused and sometimes new kings get a new new crown. Um, but Allison is very sad here. And one of the things I was wondering is... is she, does she grieve Viserys? Which I think the answer is yes, but I don't think that's all of it. Is she grieving the position she's now in?
0: I think so, and the fact that she's about to put a rapist piece of shit on the throne.
1: She's going to have to make tough decisions that might include murdering people to maintain this. Like this is just the beginning. She's going to have to continue to murder people. Right.
0: When over Viserys and over was again. alive, the weight of the crown was on him.
1: When Viserys was alive, there was peace. She didn't have to make decisions like this. It's it's all changing. So I I just. It felt important to me to, to state here. I don't think she's just gris- grieving Viserys. I think she's grieving a lot of things here. She's grieving that this is a new era of ruthlessness within her own family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she goes to Rainey's to ask for support. At some point, Rainey says, you're smarter than I thought or whatever. But it, from my point of view, I Allison understand. totally messed up this meeting. Yes. Right. So I, I think Rainey's was uh, placating her and manipulating her with that comment. Because Rainey's clearly gets the upper hand in this whole discussion, so Alicent comes out strong, asks for support, and then starts blaming Corliss for the problems that Driftmark has had, um, saying that the throne should have been Rainey's, and saying that we can guide the men—all all the wrong things to say.
1: Yes, because Rainey's is way too smart, which shows how little Alicent knows Rainey's, how she didn't take the time to develop a better relationship over all these years. Um, because as I was watching this, I was like, "Oh God, you are overplaying. Stop. This is yeah. bad." She does say, "We do, we do not rule, but we may guide the men that do." Yeah.
0: yeah. And,
1: and she assumes that only Rhaenyra is too bold and violent, and this is where I'm like, "God." Even though she's got kids who are Targaryens, Allison does not understand Targaryens at all, does she? It is not just Rhaenyra. It is not just Daemon. And we, Rainey's, this is part of Rainey's look. Like, one, I let you all go at the end, but Rainey's is also like, yeah, I can be a badass bitch here, too. Like, you better remember this.
0: Yeah, and this is where we get, even though Allison's had the most eye rolls in this episode, I love Rainey's scoff and eye roll here. She's just, like I said, she's my favorite face actor along with Otto. She conveys so much. Even when she's riding the dragon later, her little, like, kind of shit eating grin is uh, really good. But she turns the tables on Allison's here and plants the seed about, haven't you ever thought about sitting on the throne? And she says, you don't want to be free of men. You know, this great line about building a window in your prison.
1: Well, and this is something where I feel you had just said that she's playing Allison. And I actually wrote this in my notes um, that... Playing, but also assessing the situation, trying to gather some information. I think Rainey's, by asking this question, she wanted to see how Allison responded because it gives her the information she needs to better inform what she's going to do. So because Allison's response basically kind of says like, yeah, she has thought about it. Yes, she does covet it or she like it shows how Allison's going to do what is best for Allison. And that is not someone to be trusted. That is a dangerous person. You want someone who's going to be able to do what's best for them, but also houses and other people or concepts that Rainey's uh, is going to be able to align with herself. We, we know she cares a lot about her house's survival. So if Alicent is like, I do not need the throne, but I care about my family, that might be a way to actually talk to Rainey's and play a hand. But this then tells Rainey's... I know more about Allison now and her character, and I think that really informs her decision of what she's willing to do.
0: Right, and Allison is the best of the Greens. So if she's Ugh. if she's this bad, then um, Helena
1: doesn't seem too bad. I, I don't count
0: her as a Green. She's, oh, okay, she's there by circumstance. She,
1: she seems just kind of yeah. which. I'm not going to lie, this scares me, because I was just going to say, she seems kind of sweet and innocent. And then my next thought was, oh, yeah, the happy people and the sweet and innocent ones are the ones who get really bad shit happening (laughs) to them.
0: Allison and Otto meet.
1: Otto is writing to someone here. And I can't help but wonder, who's he writing to during the scene when Allison comes after Egan is found? Because technically everybody that Otto wants to know what's going on already, already knows.
0: Well, there's his family in Old Town. There's whatever... Uh, alliances he's trying to build but also in Game of Thrones they showed Littlefinger sending all these stupid letters and then he got killed so uh, maybe it goes nowhere but I feel like these writers are a little more careful than the last three seasons of Game of Thrones I assume it's a letter to Old Town but who knows okay. it's, but it's, it's something because they did show it this is where he fails to manipulate Alicent and we get another great eye roll but Alice, yeah, he tries a few different strategies here And they basically all don't work.
1: Our hearts are as one. And this is where Alicent is. Our hearts were never one. She sees it now very clearly that she and her dad have never been on the same side.
0: And then he even tries to pull out the mom card again. So as he gets desperate. So he starts off with like, whatever, protecting the children, protecting the realm then our hearts are one, and then you look so much like your mother, <laughs> you know. And That's then,
1: my favorite, like, kind of, uh, like, just where Olivia Cook plays Allison here, and she's just like, ugh, and yeah. just keeps going. She leaves the room, and then Otto goes, as you wish. Yep. So what does that mean? I don't know. I wrote, Allison plays her hand to the hand here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and says, this is what I want. This is what's going to happen. I won, found Aegon first. And just to note again, she put on everything here. She put on the coronation. She made sure Aegon showed up. She did all of that. She had that already planned. She wanted it fast. That was not Otto. That was Allison.
0: But then we get again, unfortunately, Otto speaking truth. It says... If we give Renera terms, it's going to lead to war, Mm -hmm. and why not kill a few people to save a bunch? Same thing uh, Tywin Lannister said about the Red Wedding. Why is it not right to kill a few dozen people over dinner, but it's okay to send 10,000 troops to war or whatever? If the show goes as it seems like it's going to go, Alysanta is sparing Renera, assuming she could actually be killed. I don't know what Harold Westerling is going to do against those dragons, but... It might have been a fatal mistake of Alicent to be kind, just like it might have been a fatal mistake of Rhaenys to be kind later.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I think we see that. Like, isn't there a part of that where Ned has a fatal mistake with that?
0: Yeah, he lets Cersei go. Yeah. When he f- believes that Joffrey's a bastard. Yeah. And Cersei says, "When you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die." And he died. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
1: But I'm not going to lie. It feels really nice to watch a show where not everybody's just an asshole all the time.
0: Yeah. And she says being reluctant to murder isn't weakness. And Except
1: for if it's the white worm and it serves me.
0: Yeah. There was a little ambiguity about that. But, yeah. Well,
1: she, she sent someone to die. We don't know exactly who it is. But she did definitely. That's what that whole scene is about. Is she has just said to Laris, I am instructing you to kill somebody.
0: Well, uh, well, Rhaenyra's her old friend. All right, so... And, and
1: also, she didn't hate Viserys. She did love him, and she knows, she knows. At least there's one thing that she didn't get confused about. Viserys didn't want his daughter to die.
0: Right, and if nothing else, she respects his... respects him enough to try to...
1: And also, let's be clear here, it's not just Rhaenyra. It's every single one of her children, uh, bastard or not. So yeah. she's talking about murdering children, and in the last episode, she said, we are both still mothers.
0: You know so- who else is going to have to go? as all those aegon bastards remember when cersei had all robert's bastards killed
1: yeah uh, but that's something that always confused me because there's bastards all over the realm and they there's potential that they could be legitimized but a lot of times like they like houses still pass to whoever's in the family not to the bastards so i don't really know how much power bastards really have
0: well enough to be a threat i mean renner's kids are bastards so
1: uh yeah but not formally known but like john snow right. was formally known his last name is snow
0: right but they can always and this is a problem with monarchy anyone can show up say this is my blood and then they have a claim so <laughs> eric with an e frees Rainey's.
1: so we hear someone yell before eric gets to Rainey's. like
0: so he took out the guard
1: like, get out of my way or something. And so what this means to me, it is, it is now will be known amongst the castle that Eric has flipped.
0: Yeah. He also seems to know the secret passages that Damon knows, which I thought was surprising and interesting. It was
1: not to me because when Otto goes to him and says, where is Aegon? And he says, he flouts his authority by sending me away and then secretly gets out. I have a feeling it's not so secret that Eric is smart enough where sometimes he did follow.
0: Well, he frees her. He says, I can't stand for this treachery. So civil wars within civil wars.
1: And as they leave, Rainy sees Lord Coswell hang. So she knows the depths of how far they've already gone now, where things are at. That they're hanging lords. They'll hang her. So she knows what's at stake by trying to leave.
0: They lose each other in the crowd. So she wants to go to the dragon pit, but he's like, no, no, it's going to be too guarded. So he doesn't know that this whole coronation is going to happen right then and in the dragon pit. Yeah. So they, they lose each other in the crowd, but then...
1: Which when... I missed the first time. I thought it was the the, the Sept of Baelor or something yeah. where they were. But in fact, it, they went to the dragon pit, which is why she was able to get to her dragon and why the dragon popped up underground there.
0: Well, it wasn't clear at all, but then you see her smile when she realizes where the crowd is going. So they go to the coronation thing, and on the way there, Aegon and Alcent are in their, their car.
1: This is one of the times where... I actually see Aegon isn't as stupid as we think he is. I I refer to him as Aegon the Buffoon. Even Aegon the Buffoon knows Viserys didn't want him to be king. He knows.
0: Well, it also gives some explanation for why he's such a fuck-up. Is that, you know, mommy and daddy didn't love me. That kind of thing. I just eye-rolled. Yeah. doesn't justify it again, but it gives some background explanation. You know, he never felt...
1: But you know whose fault that is? That's Alicent and Viserys' fault.
0: Yeah. Yep later when he embraces the crowd and he suddenly goes from not wanting it to liking it that also gives some background to that cuz he never felt validated or mm-hmm. loved or whatever and then talk about
1: instant validation yeah, <laughs> then
0: he's validated and loved by you know 50,000 people at once or whatever
1: please note during the ceremony do you know what color Alicent is still wearing even though Viserys is dead
0: She's wearing green. She's
1: wearing green. Yeah, she's... Even though everyone else is wearing black.
0: But Oh, th- I totally forgot to say this. Reneries also callers calls her Alicent Hightower in their meeting. Mm-hmm. So she's like, You're a Hightower. You're not a Targaryen. That's implicitly what well, she's saying. That's basically that's, what she says, right, yeah. yeah. But right, so then Alicent um entices Aegon with this dagger, like implying that Viserys wanted you to have this.
1: Yeah. And it also shows how easily manipulatable Aegon is. So she'll still be able to rule with him there. And right. maybe that's what's happening is what Rainey says is she's like, well, now, yeah, Aegon's a total rapist shit. But, yeah, I'll, I'll still kind of be able to rule. I'll be able to rule behind him.
0: And then he straight up asks her if she loves him. To, to which <laughs> she imbecile. calls him an imbecile. Um, I mean, like, that's
1: another one where, she, like, she did it with Rainey's and now she does it with Aegon. She is just not playing her hands well.
0: There's a couple ways to read it. It could have been implied that you imbecile. Why do you think we're doing all this? Because she didn't say it that cutting. There was almost a little bit of a smile on her face. So oh no, I um, took it at
1: like exasperation of like yeah. you imbecile.
0: So then we get to the the big scene, which was not that big for an episode nine, um, but still kind of. But still, yeah, big. The uh, like if you
1: ignore that a bunch of innocent people just died horrible deaths.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's get there in a second. So, Aegon is. Well, it's announced. Otto gives the speech. It says, um, "You know," s- says what happened, and the crowd is not sure how to respond. They're a little slow. You hear some mur- murmurs before they start clapping and stuff. Aegon is ushered in by the the soldiers. I like the whole coronation scene. Uh, I thought it was well done and and royal, I guess. Um,
1: I, I did like all the. Attention to detail with like all the soldiers and the swords and yeah. that pomp and circumstance with that. I just thought it was it was There's a nice spectacle to watch. Yeah. Suffer, have we seen horns in Game no. of Thrones before?
0: No, not that I'm aware of. Except oh, for like, is like this? yeah, right, it's, yeah. And they give Aegon Aegon the Conqueror's crowns. So we talked about crowns earlier. So yeah. he does not get Viserys' gold crown, but he gets Aegon's iron crown. That's actually
1: what made me think about this. Is that they show us the scene and she play, places Viserys' crown on his body there, but that's not the same one during this coronation. And so you're like, they're, they're really playing it here.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's got the dagger and he gets a sword
1: uh, uh, Aegon's sword.
0: Yeah, Aegon's sword, which is, I Blackfyre? believe, Blackfire. Yeah. Yep. So. He's, yeah, His his outfit looks good. He's got the black three-headed dragon on his chest. And, I mean, he's kind of Darth Vader-ish here. <laughs> but the whole thing happens. And also, I forgot to say this earlier, but uh, Kristen Cole was now named Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Mm-hmm. So Westerling stepping away opened the door for that.
1: Well, and Allison said, when she says Aegon is going to be named tomorrow, and Sir Kristen Cole, she says when she has that discussion with Otto. So she got her way for today.
0: And then we assume the prophecy of the beast beneath the boards beneath the boards comes true right now. More like the beast beneath the rocks, but doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. Um so R- Rainy's burst through the floor. There's a few logistical issues with this, but we'll just whatever. <laughs> not much, I, not I much you don't tra- care
1: about stuff like this. <laughs> not
0: much of a dragon pit. Uh
1: it is funny. But that,
0: that is a big-ass dragon, so maybe it holds the smaller ones. But that's that's got to be the second biggest one yeah. uh, after Vagar.
1: And it looked badass.
0: So let's talk about Rainie's here. So who is Rainie's? I, I think it's a little bit unclear. We know she's the queen that never was. So who she is, her family line is she is the only living daughter of Aemon Targaryen. Aemon without a D. Mm-hmm. who is the was the son of... Of Jaehaerys. And Jaheris is the one who had the 80-year reign of yep. peace or whatever. And she is the daughter of Jocelyn, I think? Baratheon. So she comes from a strong pedigree. Well, and,
1: and if gender does not make a difference for lineage, she should have succeeded jaharis
0: Right, because Viserys was the next male person in line. And Viserys is the son of Balon, who was the son of of jaharis jaharis so he is younger and further down the line but he's a male yeah so and they voted on this and the votes were 20 to 1 in favor of Viserys, but rainies is a baratheon and baratheon is one of the strongest houses there so they voted for her Mm -hmm. um so we'll see what implications that has but she she makes a show here she bursts out in her armor on her dragon Kills a bunch of small folk. So there's some... She
1: is wearing armor. I have to own this from our First Impressions episode. Jay was right. There is armor here. She's totally got some badass armor on. So they must just keep it hanging right by the dragons. We're going
0: to assume there was a half hour time jump during the coronation. But she bursts through and she shows mercy on the royals after killing a bunch of peasants. And I'm not upset by that. Some people are like, why didn't she just do it? Why didn't she just kill them? Eh. Then there's no show. Yeah, not only is there no show, but we're not that far gone yet. She'd have to kill Helena. She'd have to kill... I mean,
1: there will be a show. They have a lot of intrigue, and they can take it other ways. But the, this entire season is moot, then. Because why bother know any of these characters if that's just how it ends?
0: Right. And this scene does not happen in the books. So a lot of times the more fantastical elements don't come from the fantasy book, <laughs> but come from the show. And, you know, they have to give us something exciting. And, and this is it for this episode. But I do feel like so far, the few action scenes we've had this season, they've kind of fumbled a little bit on the action scenes. Yeah. Um,
1: Where's Miguel?
0: Just uh, Well, just uh, logistically. But it did look good. It made a statement. I loved her.
1: I mean, I actually like this scene. But no, we haven't really had much action at all in this. So, yeah.
0: like... And I just loved her face here. And she knows she has them all. Yep. And will her mercy be...
1: And for a moment, she was on top. She was like, you know, where does power reside in this moment? All the power resided with Rainey's.
0: Yeah. And will her mercy be repaid with mercy later, should it come to that? Or will she not be shown mercy and have made the wrong choice here?
1: We'll see. But you know what? I like Rainey. She's she's one of my, like, dark horse characters here. I think she's going to be one of my favorite characters from at least this first season. Um, Yeah, she's great. Eve Best does such a wonderful job playing her, but... In her own way, the way that Missaria is a survivor with her station in life, so is Rainey's. And how she she may not like everything that happens, but she's done well with what she's had. And she has remained sharp. She's a warrior. And Do- the fact that more people don't know this, it, including, I think, Corliss, who did not better utilize his wife. It's it's so, like, I just feel sorry for all the men who underestimate the powerful women like Rainey's.
0: So just from sheer presence on the show, my th- my four the, the four most impactful characters are Viserys, Rainies, Aemond, and Damon, I think. Like every time they're in a scene. Viserys was different kind of impactful, but they are um I don't know. They they to me fill the room. But anyways, I know you gotta go to work, so let's give our rankings real quick and then we'll be done.
1: I knew we were doing this. You would have thought I thought about it already. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to put it at an eight and a half.
0: I'm going to give it an eight. I can't rank it higher than last week because last week's was so uh, artsy, even though there's some stuff to piss me off. But the factions within factions is really strong.
1: There's great setup here. Yeah. And I love that they only gave us the greens here and they did. It's just I was so tense. Like, yeah, eight and a half, I think, is where I'll go. Some different reasons than last week, but still a very solid episode because if this episode really does its job well, what comes next next episode but in future seasons will be well laid out and accepted. And so you need this type of episode to be done well. And I have to give it credit for that.
0: And I'll just say next week is going to be good based on the books. Um, All right. And then if you like our show, just please consider rating and reviewing. All right.